1: Teaching is false if it produces a religion that is arrogant or separatist. Any teaching that encourages a person to identify with a narrow sect and regard the rest of the church as lost sinners is false teaching. Exclusiveness is a clear indicator that something is wrong. If a church teaches you that you have to be a member of that church or baptized by that church in order to be saved, there is something wrong.
0: He doesn't pull any punches, does he? That's Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And there on the web at highlands.us, we're bringing to a close a message from the Sermon on the Mount series, which he called The Golden Rule and False Teachers. Here's Pastor Leighton.
1: The Apostle Paul describes it in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. So in order to distinguish a true prophet from a false prophet, look at the fruit. The first one mentioned is love. Is their life and ministry full of love, God's love, the love that's defined and described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? And do the people that they influence, their congregation, reflect that love? This last Wednesday, I had the chance to meet our new class for Discovering Highlands, And I asked the new people to introduce themselves, tell us their name, how long they've been attending, and what they like about Highlands. Almost every one of them said, when I stepped into the place, I could sense that this was a place filled with genuine Christian love. That's a commendation to our church family. So the first one is love. The second one is joy. Are they a joyful person? Are they surrounded by joyful people, people who are under their influence? And the third one is peace. Are they at peace with God and at peace with others? Or are they stirring up dissension and division and so forth? Patience. Are they patient in their dealing with the people? Well, and then there's number five is kindness. Are their actions and words kind? And do they influence those around them to also be kind? Or are they harsh and critical and judgmental? The sixth one is goodness. Seventh one is faithfulness. The eighth one is self-control. Is that church leader, that prophet, filled with the fruit of the Spirit? Now we've talked a bit about false teachers. What about false teaching? Deuteronomy 13 requires a prophet to be put to death if that prophet promotes rebellion against God. Deuteronomy 18 teaches that us to reject a prophet who contradicts previous revelations from God, like, for instance, the Bible, or whose message fails to come true. If a teacher is contradicting the Bible, that is a false teacher. Teaching is false if it produces a religion that is based mainly on the observance of externals. You know, it's possible to teach a religion that consists of going to church Uh, tithing and offering, reading the Bible, and so forth, and a person might do all of these things and be far from being saved. Teaching is false if it produces a religion that consists in prohibitions. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not go to the movie theater. Thou shalt not dance. Thou shalt not use makeup, and so forth. If a person could become a Christian just by abstaining from certain things, it would be a whole lot easier than what being a Christian really is which is not abstaining from certain things, but doing things God's way. Teaching is false if it produces an easy religion or licentiousness. Licentiousness is using the grace of God as a license to continue in sin. Jesus said we're to take up our cross daily. Any teaching which takes the cross out of Christianity, pushes judgment into the background, or makes people think lightly of sin, that's false teaching. In Highlands, we try to teach the full gospel. But I'm very, very sensitive about manipulation. I don't like being manipulated, and I don't like manipulating people. I don't do it. I try never to do it. There are some preachers, they can preach in such a manner you feel convicted. And if I preach that way, the conviction will last to the door, or the parking lot, or the end of the day. That's not real conviction. Real conviction that is life-transforming comes from the work of God's Holy Spirit. Teaching is false if it produces an easy religion or licentiousness. A few years back, I was doing some channel surfing and came across a TB preacher. And I listened to what he had to say, and there was a little warning going off inside me, and I couldn't figure out what that was. So I was listening very, very carefully. He finished his sermon. I didn't hear anything that I could identify as contradictory to the scriptures. happened several times. Each time, there's this little alarm going off. I'm listening carefully. I don't hear him say anything that contradicts scriptures. And then one time on channel surfing, he's there, I'm listening. It happens to be the dedication of the new worship center. And he's saying thank you to people. That's appropriate. And then he says something. He says, I want to promise you that you'll never hear a confrontational thing from this pulpit. That's a paraphrase, but that's what I heard. That's when the alarms went off. They just sounded loud and clear. Because the problem wasn't what he was saying, but what he refused to say. See, a preacher who preaches the word of God is going to be confrontational because the word of God is confrontational. Can you imagine if he's standing in front of the, the mirror on Sunday morning shaving and God taps him on the shoulder and says, Hey, I want you to preach this. He says, Oh, God. I can't preach that. It's confrontational. I made a promise. He has to make a decision if he's going to obey God or keep his promise. There are some promises a preacher, a pastor, should not make. Be sensitive and learn to hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Teaching is false if it produces a religion that is arrogant or separatist. Any teaching that encourages a person to identify with a narrow sect and to regard the rest of the church as lost sinners is false teaching. Exclusiveness is a clear indicator that something is wrong. If a church teaches you that you have to be a member of that church or baptized by that church in order to be saved, there is something wrong. A few years back, I received a call from a family in the church. They asked me to come right away because their son was being drawn into one of the local cults. And I sat down. I, I was thankful that he was willing to talk with me. And uh, I listened to him. And then I started asking him questions. I said, this person in the Bible, or that was that person saved? Yeah. How about this person? Yeah. So I went through a, a list of people. From, and then I went into the, the people that he knew that had come and, 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 and gone, and died. And I said, what about this person? Yeah. I said, well, according to your church's theology, Those people in the Bible couldn't have been saved because they weren't part of your church, and your church has only been around for about 30 or 40 years. And he stopped and he thought about it, he connected dots, he realized he was being led into false teaching. So any kind of exclusiveness is a cue that there's something wrong. Arrogance is a really big cue that something's wrong. And uh, sometimes the arrogance can be doctrinal. When I say that, this is what I mean. I think all of us want to believe that whatever it is that we believe is true. It doesn't make any sense for us to choose to believe something we know not to be true. There are some things that are the basic essentials of Christianity. Um, these are the doctrines that are contained in the Apostles' Creed. So what the, these are the essential doctrines that distinguish Christianity. Christianity. If you believe all of them, you're a Christian. If you don't believe one or more of them, you're not a Christian, even if you call yourself a Christian, or Jesus Christ is in the name of your church or your organization. But there are other secondary doctrines that Christians have not all agreed on over 2,000 years of church history. Some believe this, some believe that, and so forth. And for one church or pastor to declare that after 2,000 years of church history, they have finally achieved the perfect theology, and therefore they are right, and therefore anyone who differs from them is wrong, and may not even be saved, that's arrogance. There's something wrong. One of the things that I'm alert to when I'm introduced or meet a new pastor is arrogance. I'm watching for signs of arrogance. Because if there's a sign of arrogance, if they're arrogant, there's something wrong. Now, to some extent, if a kid has just come out of seminary, there's this phase that they go through. But if they haven't outgrown that in two or three years, there's something wrong. And if somebody tries to impress me with how spiritual they are, there's something wrong. I'm not impressed. I'm wary. Now, I'm very careful that I don't name names from the pulpit. But what I want to do is provide my congregation with information from the Bible so that they can discern for themselves a true prophet from a false prophet. Verse nineteen says every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Jesus is describing the final judgment of these false prophets. Just because a person claims to be Christian doesn't necessarily make them so. In just a few verses, Jesus is going to talk about people who claim to do mighty things in his name, cast out demons, prophesy, and so forth. They were not only Christians in the church, they were leaders in the church. They were people that that were looked up to in the church. And they thought they were saved. And Jesus says to them, Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. These leaders were not leading people down the narrow way. They were leading people into lawlessness. One of the greatest dangers is self-deception. The scribes and Pharisees fooled themselves into believing that they were righteous and right, when in fact they were not. It's possible to know the right language and the doctrines and the rules and still not be saved. What really matters is what path you're on. And there are only two paths. So your homework this week, should you choose to accept it, is daily to ask God to help you discern if you're on the narrow path. And ask him to clarify if you have deceived yourself into thinking You're on the narrow path when, in fact, you're on the wide path.
0: Would you like to talk with someone about that homework assignment? You can certainly give us a call at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. This, by the way, is a broadcast outreach of that church. We call it Verse by Verse, and our teacher is Pastor Leighton Sheely. I'm Mike Trout. The phone number at the church is 650-873-4095. We would appreciate the opportunity to interact with you. That's 650-873-4095. If you'd prefer to check us out on the web, you can find us there at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Have a great rest of your day, and come back tomorrow as we once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse.